Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra and I am your host of the podcast. And today we have got another really great interview episode. Today I'm speaking with Wendy Alexander. Hello, Wendy. Hello. How are you, Chandra? I'm very well and I'm excited to be talking with you today. Now, just as a recap for someone, if you're listening and you haven't listened to one of these interview episodes before, the purpose of these interviews is to share a range of different stories from real women who have made significant career change after the age of 40, because I want to share a range of stories with you of how women have done it, why they've done it, and the type of work that they do now, so that you can see that it is possible for you too. And Wendy, I'm excited to talk to you because I know a little bit about what you do now, but I don't know a lot about how you got there. So I'm really excited for for us to hear more about how you got to where you are now. But what about if we kick off with you just letting us know what did you used to do for work and what do you do now? Okay, so I was in corporate um, and I was working as a PMO manager and also a hiring manager for some of the big transformation programs in Australia. And mm-hmm. I worked for big companies like Telstra, KPMG, the banks, NAB, All ANZ, the big ones. All the big ones, yes. Um you know, very high, high-powered job, mm-hmm. um, very well-paying job, and I did that for about 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and alongside, so how I came to do what I'm doing, what I'm doing now is I'm working as a career success coach and a resume writer, um, and really the transition came from probably being tired of yes. the corporate world after yeah. a while. Um, And there was one particular incident that I'd been thinking about it for probably a year before I actually decided that I was going to do my last contract because I've been contracting in corporate for 20 years, you know, meaning I had my own company and went in as a contractor consultant and did this hiring and, you know, uplifting teams in um, some of the biggest transformation programs across Australia. Mm. Can I just check, when you say you, know, you were contracting, what sort of timeframes were these contracts? Did they, did they vary or were they generally longer or quite short term? So most of them start usually on a three-month basis because that's always sort of the probation. Some uh-huh. of them were six-month contract. Most of my contracts lasted two to three years. Right. So I'd be engaged on a six month term, but then I'd end up being renewed and renewed and, <laughs> you know, that end up going for, because transformation programs usually don't just yeah. happen in six months, That's right? right? They happen over two years, they happen over three years. Um, so most of my contracts lasted two and a half to three years. Yeah. And so you said that you were thinking about making a change in what you were doing for work for about a year. What 
was going through your mind when you look back now and you think about that time of thinking about it? What do you think was going on for you that was making you thinking, think of changing the way that you were working or what you were doing? So for me, the biggest um, catalyst was menopause. Oh, okay. Um, the biggest gap because I, um, it came earlier than I expected. It came when I was 47 years old. Um, and in my head, it was supposed to come after my 50s. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it came like, this wasn't in the brochure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. And, and I had a very hard time of it. When it came, it came so hard and fast with every symptom under the sun. Oh. You know, the lack of sleep the hot flashes, all of those things. And so I was having quite a challenging time uh, doing that high-powered job with that kind of stress and very little sleep and mm. all of the other symptoms. Yeah. Um, and so the stress levels were through the roof, and I knew that I needed to make a change, that I couldn't work at that kind of capacity without a real compromise on my health. Mm. So I kind of had that feeling about it already. Um, and then... Uh, the thing that was the, the major catalyst was I was working a contract at one of the banks and my uncle was very ill and he was dying and this was my favorite uncle. And yeah. so um, I was very new into that contract. My uncle passed away and the lack of empathy, sympathy I got from the boss at the time because the project was in dire straits and I was there to help, you know, get it, turn it around the corner. But you know, I had a death going on. Mm. And I remember um, Hearst actually saying to me when I came back from the funeral, probably a couple of days, I took a few days off. And she said to me, um, you know, life still goes on. I said, I know that. And I'm here. But she was very unsympathetic to what I was going through at the time. And she said to me, um, I'm available to this project 24 seven. And I think when she said those words to me, I just looked at her and mm -hmm. I said to her, well, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I just terminated the contract, gave in two weeks notice and terminated the contract. And for me, that was the big catalyst was that I didn't want the stress. I didn't want that corporate politics and I didn't want the lack of empathy when yeah. I was going through. So that was one of the big catalogs, but I did land another contract after that. And that was my final contract because by then I was already, you know, the thoughts were already whirling daily in my head. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was glad I took up the last contract because it was with um, a company, a consulting company, and they were awesome. I had that was actually the best eight months, and I finished my corporate career in my mind on the right note. Nice. I finished with a nice company, very you know cool people, real support. Um, I did have a stint in hospital. Um, you know, some something happened with my health, and I ended up in hospital. And they were so supportive through that time um, that as I was oh, so that was hospital, while you were doing that last contract, final contract, yeah, yeah. Um, but while I was lying in hospital bed too, I was, I, you know, I was thinking more and more, and I was like, you know what, I'm, it's time for me to go. I really want to write. I really want to do, um, you know, my resume writing. I want to use my love of words to help other people. It's time. Um, so when I came out of hospital, they'd been very supportive throughout. I was in hospital for about a week, I think. And mm -hmm. when I came out of hospital, I finished up that contract. There was another four months on it. And then I decided not to chase another contract. And wow. that was how I made the transition from corporate into my own thing. Great. And isn't it interesting that uh, fairly stark contrast between the way 
the last organisation responded to you being a human being compared to the previous one. Yes, yes. And I agree with you. I feel like it was, I mean, I'm sure it was extremely unpleasant, but, you know, it it feels like a much nicer way for you to kind of close that chapter of uh, working in in that way before going into your own things. I really, I'm actually quite glad that it worked out that way. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, look, I had thought that I would finish um, the contracting with that incident at the bank, Mm. but... To be truthful, the next contract that came was such a good contract. It was such a lucrative contract. It was really the money that drew me. I was like, wow, I don't think, didn't think I'd get this kind of rate. Um, but I was also really interested in the tool that they were using. It was a new tool being brought out of New York into Australia yeah. around managing projects. And I was really curious about it. Mm-hmm. So those were the two things that drew me to that contract. But I was really glad that that was the one I finished my corporate career on. Yeah, fantastic. That's so great. And so you said, I mean, having time in hospital is one of those times, I think, where we have rare, what I call shut up, think and feel time, where you're kind of literally (laughs) stuck there and, you know, with your own thoughts. And given that you'd had some of this kicking around already in your mind, I can imagine that being, you know, a, a pretty productive thinking time for you. Did you create a plan in your mind of, of what you were going to do or was it more about just closing the door on, on one chapter and then seeing how things went? Well, I had been doing resume writing for 15 years alongside the corporate career. So, right. uh, you know, my mess, my, I always say my mess became my success. So I had <laughs> a situation when my relationship with my daughter's father ended, I was four months pregnant when that ended. And that was the biggest mess of my life, you know, emotional, financial, you name it. Everything happened in that year. Uh, 1997 was what I call the best and worst year because it was the best year because my daughter was born that year. But it was the worst year because the relationship ended and the financial mess that I was left in was, you know, something I had to claw my way out of over a period of a few years after that. Mm. But I went hunting for a better job. After my daughter was born, I was like, I knew I had to make more money because I was supporting this kid. There was a huge debt hanging over my head. Mm. Um, And so I, and what I was doing was I was watching people around me land these really cool gigs and these gigs that were paying good money. And I'm like, how do I get that? (laughs) I mean, you know, really, it was all about need, desire and necessity that drove me. Um, and I started to talk to recruiters. I started to talk to hiring people. I used to take them out for coffee, started picking their brains. I'm also a natural writer. I've been writing for years. Um, and so I started to write my resume. And I think my daughter was a year old when I managed to land a role that jumped my salary by like 35 or 40 grand. And awesome. that, was just from, that was just from writing this resume. And I'm telling you, I wrote it a gazillion times. Um, And then I started learning how to interview properly. And so as I got my success, I started to do it for my friends and my family and other colleagues. And so, and then I, you know, transitioned into doing it part-time. Like I would probably do a few a month for people. And Mm -hmm. so that was my life beside my corporate life. So you were doing that whilst you were doing these pretty demanding contract roles as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I had a, I had a, a side gig, you know, yeah. the resume the resume writing was the side gig, and mm-hmm. then there was the corporate gig. Wow, you would have been when, busy, and you had a little 
baby. I had a little one, yeah. (laughs) Did you ever sleep? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you do what you have to do. Through those years, those were difficult years. and, And I was doing, and I mean, having gone through such hard times myself, my thing was when people came to me, I just was trying to help them. Um, and so there were, you know, people were similar to me in similar situations who mm. needed to get a better job. We needed to make, you know, other single moms. I've been, I had been working with single moms because that was my soft spot. Yeah. I was one, I knew how hard it was to get back on your feet, all of those things. So that's what I did um, alongside the corporate career. And so when I changed, I really just went from this side little gig where I only did, um, you know, a handful of people to, I just took it full time. Yeah, you know, I just said, okay, I'm going to go full time with this um, because I love doing it. it. It was a lot more purposeful for me than obviously the corporate gig was. I enjoyed my corporate gig. I had some great teams. The people side of corporate really, really uh, jazzed me. Yeah. But there's a lot of politics in that whole world as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So yes, and unfortunately, you you can't just pick and choose and just get the good bits without that without no, the rest of it. So no. far, yeah. <laughs> So you just launched in full time that you were going to use your your love of writing and your experience with the resume writing as part of the new chapter of uh, what you would do and work for yourself but in this different capacity. Yes. What were any of the the initial challenges that you had to face when you started working in that way? Because you were already – a business in some regard because you were contracting yourself out as a company to other companies. So then that may have had some advantages, but are there, what were some of the challenges that you can remember facing when you moved into this new way of working off your own steam? Um, so the big one obviously was the finances for me. I mean, look, I had, I've always been a good saver. And after I cleared that, that debt after that mess with, uh, you know, with my ex, um, I've always been good at savings. I always had, you know, for me for a lot of years. And when you're contracting, you get paid higher rates. Mm-hmm. And I always worked smart with my money. So the company was always only paying me a certain wage. And I would always have this buffer in the company and a buffer in my savings. So I knew that I could could have a start with this business going full time. But what was worrying, what I sat and contemplated night after night was would I be able to generate enough clients because it's one thing to do it as a side gig when you don't really need the money because you're earning big bucks in corporate yes yeah so that was that was one of my challenges and I was quite nervous about it Mm -hmm. um but I also have a partner my you know my new partner is, is is successful and he's doing well so I knew that there was a there was a buffer and there was support but I'm also a very independent person, very independent woman, despite having a great partner. I've always made my own money. Yeah. You know, so there was that as well. So I was going through all this stuff in my head. Yeah. You know, am I going to get enough clients? You know, I want to maintain my financial independence. I don't want to rely on my partner. All of these things, you know, were running through my head. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and the first six months were not easy because you don't just generate, you know, from going to say two, three consistent clients a month, you don't just generate the next big lot that's going to now give you this income that you used to. Yes. So Unfortunately, it doesn't no, generally I mean, work that way. No, I mean, look, you know, I don't know, some people, you see their success stories, it happens quickly, but mine certainly wasn't that. Mm. Um, 
the big the other big thing for me was um, the isolation of working alone in my business because I'm a connector. I'm yeah. a people's person and in corporate I ran huge teams. You know, I had my immediate team of, you know, whatever anywhere between eight and twelve direct reports, but then a broader teams of thirty-five 45, 70 people, you know, so we were, there was always teaming going on. There was yeah. always people to delivering that project with. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I'm, you know, me, myself and I in this room all, you know, in my office. <laughs> yes. Having meetings with yourself. That's right. And so the only connection is with my client, but that's only a one-on-one connection. You know, yeah. that's not, so the client comes to me, we discuss, you know, we have the phone call. Um, and then I start doing the writing work and then I go back and forth with them. And a lot of it was via email initially um, because some people don't want to get on the phone. They love just the email correspondence. Yeah. So they would send me the updates and I would be updating and so on. But there was a real isolation that came with that. And I started noticing that I was slipping into kind of this dark moods or this there would be days of lack of motivation. There'd be days of probably bordering on some depression. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember feeling, you know, kind of this heaviness, this darkness um, and thinking, oh, this is not what I had in mind. You yeah. know, like I wanted to do this writing and I wanted to do something that could help other people. But really, you know, I am still a people person. I'm still a people connector. So mm. how do I kind of make this happen in my life? Yeah. And look, Wendy, I think it's thank you for sharing that, because I think it's something that People don't necessarily anticipate when they're thinking about making that move from, a say, a successful corporate role, a leadership role into working for themselves. They focus on, you know, the vision they might have in their head of what it might be like and the freedoms that it will open up, which it definitely does. However, I'm not sure that people do anticipate as often the impact of the isolation. So I think it's an important one for people to hear and anticipate um, so for you, when you started noticing, you know, the impact of the isolation on your mood and your energy levels, what sort of things did you try to do to help shift that? Well, one of the things I did was I actually started to meet my clients, the ones I could meet in, cause I'm in Melbourne and some of my clients are obviously the ones I couldn't meet. I would do, I started doing the Skypes and I started doing uh-huh the Zooms and things, because it was like, okay, even if I can just see them, it will make, because most of my stuff was an initial phone call. This is prior to, you know, um, making the change was an initial phone call and then just email. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the things I started changing was I, the, the clients that I could meet face to face, I would organize a meeting, you know, even if that meant I had to get on the tram and yeah. go into the city, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, because also that's an outing. For I was going to say that's it's an outing. <laughs> It's an outing for yeah. me, you know, on the tram, into the city, having a look around, meeting the person for lunch, coffee or whatever it was. Um, and then the other thing I started to have was, you know, the Skype, the Skype face-to-face, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Zoom face-to-face. Um, but the, the the other big thing was actually going to seek communities, you yes. know, and, and that's how I ended up, you know, in her business and, and some other communities. I actually started to look for people that were also looking for community business people that were trying to connect mm-hmm. with others, mm-hmm. you know, meetups, all those kind of things. I started to bring that into my life because I, I didn't like what 
I noticed what's happening to me. I noticed the lack of motivation creeping. I noticed because I was trying to think I've always been this motivated person. Why is this happening? Yeah, why? What's going on? Why here? am I not enjoying this? Mm-hmm. I hear you, Wendy. And as someone who <laughs> uh, came from radio, a really creative, dynamic environment, lots of people around, lots of events, lots of just always stuff on the go. That was something that really impacted me, especially like in my first business, I really noticed that a lot. And then um, I did a bit of a, a return to work and trying to do coaching on the side for a while. And then when I started the Transit Lounge, similarly, I have consciously created this business to be a bit of a hybrid to give me a little bit more of that people and interaction that group people interaction and so I think it's something that is worth people that are considering working for themselves being aware of so they can be on the lookout because I don't think it's something that they anticipate on the way in they just think oh how nice will it be to not have to commute how nice will it be to you know be working from the home office or whatever and they are great things but there's also a balance I think for people that are driven people that are used to being around others, there's um, a bit of a adjustment to be made. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And just to absolutely. pick up too on the point you mentioned uh, that one of the things that you did was joining Her Business. And for those that are listening, if you haven't heard about it before, Her Business is a community group for women in business, in established businesses, and it provides lots of great structured networking environments, some guided trainings, and it's a really fabulous group. So um, that is just to give some context if you're wondering, what's her business? That's what it is. Yeah. And that's, Wendy and I are both part of that community. That's how we originally uh, connected. Um, so thank you for sharing around those challenges. One, I want to pick up one of the things that you said um, around the finances was the question about would you be able to generate enough clients what sort of things did you do or have to learn that helped you to get more clients? So initially, um, you know, obviously a lot of my business has been, and it still is, word of mouth referrals. So, Mm -hmm. you know, once I've done work for, for people, they tend to send people to me. So that's one of the ways that I generated. And once people started real, you know, once I put the word out that I was actually going full time and this is what I was doing full time, you know, I did get people refer people to me, but I also had to go out there and create my own marketing. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't actually know where to start. I mean, cause you know, I was active on Facebook and Instagram, but not huge accounts there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would put up things on Facebook, but it didn't actually generate much for me. Yeah. So that wasn't my platform. And then um, someone mentioned LinkedIn to me and mm-hmm. said, you know, why don't you go look at LinkedIn? Because, you know, you resume writer, you in that space where you're writing resumes for IT professionals or professionals, you know, that's where your, your audience will be. And I was like, man, I don't even know how to use this thing. I yeah. think I had, I don't know, a few friends on yeah. LinkedIn. I had a... <laughs> very mediocre account on LinkedIn with hardly anything written on it. Now that should not have been the case because I'm a writer. <laughs> I should have known better. So, but I actually ended up going to look and I actually, and I actively learned about LinkedIn mm-hmm. and I started uplifting my profile. And then I learned, um, I, I think we did, my partner and I did um, a weekend workshop with a guy who was um, teaching us how to do video content and things like that. And mm-hmm. then he, he was also um, quite active on LinkedIn and he said, he taught us some of the things that he had done. And he said, just start making connections. 
He says, but don't just do the standard, you know, hit the button and yeah. connect people. He said, send a personal message, like take the time to look through people's profiles and all of that. So really it was a process, but I set myself a goal and I actually put time aside in my day that I was going to reach out to about 30 to 50 people every day. Holy jamoli, really? Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's actually how I started to build um, the network. So I just... I would have, I would, you know, set aside time, look through people's profiles, see if there was something we had in common, reach out to them from that common space. Um, a lot of the time it was, you know, we belonged to the same industry bodies, we'd be, we'd worked at the same company or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and so I would reach out on that basis. And I found that when you have the personal message, people respond. If you just hit that standard one that just goes i'd like to have you in my network very few people respond because yeah people want you to take the time to get to know them yes and so, part of what i think the power of linkedin is and can be is genuine connections because otherwise if someone doesn't really know you then what's the benefit of the connection and i still i get very frustrated actually because i still get sent lots of you know, connection requests from people. And, and I have started when people request, I check out their profile and often I will reply to them and, you know, ask what prompted them to want to connect and just to see who, who replies back and what do they say. And pretty quickly you can tell the people that all they want to do is essentially just try and sell you something versus someone that says, oh, I listened to one of your podcasts or I saw your comment in this group that I'm in. There's very there's something different about genuine people compared to just people that are on some sort of rampage to create an impressive number of connections that aren't real or genuine in any way. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, that's what I found. Look, I still to this day sometimes get the people who reach out to me and then the very next message is they want to sell me something. I know. What do you do with those people? <laughs> I actually just ignore them. Like I yeah, don't, you, can, you can't unfollow them or like unconnect, yeah, can you? Right. That's I don't know. I actually haven't looked that no, far. No, me. Just I, think, I just was thinking that. I, yeah, can you? I don't know if you can. It would be good if you could for those ones that because when sometimes they will say something genuine and you connect and then all of a sudden it's the next one, as you say, the next one is this sales pitch. And it's like, sales oh, pitch. it just really bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I've built, I build my connections, you know, I ask people and I find, you know, if you find the common ground, like I often look, if people have put something personal in, you know, like if they mention that they an animal lover or they fly yep. kites or something, that's actually the thing I connect with them on. I actually don't go to the professional stuff if they don't have anything personal and they just mention that they're part of a, a project management group or something, then I might connect with them on that space. Mm -hmm. But I always look for the personal nugget. And try to reach out to them from the personal nugget because, and then you start talking with them. You know, people start having a conversation with you, and that's how I've I've actually drawn. And then the other thing I've done is the big thing that I've done is I've created guides, videos, and things, and I just give that content away. Like I give, I create free guides to try and help people, um, and that's brought me lots of clients. You know, the free guides. Um, you know, a tip on something, whether like I've got guides on how to ace an interview or something, you know, and I just let people know that it's there. Um, many of them just go to the website now and they download the guide that's there. The recession proof, your mm -hmm. career guide is there at mm -hmm. the moment. Yeah. So people have been going to download that. Um, and then when I'm ready 
to market something, you know, often I do discounts too. So when it's February, we're coming at the start of the year. That's when companies are hiring. I let people know I've got a special going on or July is now the next big one. So once, you know, companies have done their budgets at the end of the financial year, that's when companies start hiring again. And so I often do a special then. And those mm-hmm. parts, times of the year is when I draw most of my clients. Yeah, right. And as you say, when you work with somebody and do their resume and then they manage to secure a great new job without having perhaps to have done any new training or get any more qualification that results in an uplift in their salary, other people in their life notice that, I'm sure, and ask who did that for you and then that creates a little ripple effect of work coming your way again. Yes, absolutely. So word of mouth has been great for me um, and I always try to give more. I mean, yes, my rate is X for doing X, mm-hmm. but if someone calls me, if one of my clients calls me and goes, I've got an interview and I'm terrified, Yeah, I'll spend time with them on the phone. Mm. You know, I'll go, okay, call me at this time. I'm, I'm free at this time. And we go through interview scenario things, you know, or I tell them, okay, here's a bunch of questions. I'm sending it to you. I want you to record it, record your answer, mm-hmm. send me the video. And then we make a time and I go through the video with them. I yeah. say, look at the body language, look at your, your eyes rolling, look at the way you're hesitating, your shoulders are tense, like all these things. Um, I always try to give more and give extra because, you know, people remember you for being generous. Yes. Um, and that's how people come, you know, they go, oh, she's going to help you. Yeah. You know, she's going to do more than just your resume. Yeah. And I always do more than just people's resume. I mean, now I'm coaching clients as well. Mm-hmm. So I do coach in terms of like, a lot of GMs, I've, I've actually gotten a lot of GMs through this whole COVID thing, you know, um, managers who are thinking and have suddenly realized they want to change their careers. Yeah. So I've had a big influx of that, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting that, but that surprised me. But I also know that this is the thinking time, just like when I was in hospital. Yes. My thinking time. COVID has been so many people's thinking time. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Exactly, exactly. What can I change in my life? How can I make it better? You know, why am I working these long days and not seeing my family and, you know, all these things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I, and I, I love that you shared the fact that you it's so much more than a transactional process of I'm just going to book you um, to do my resume. I'll send you some stuff. You're going to magic something together and email it back to me. That you're, you're almost, it sounds like you're a partner on this, this process because it's not just the isolation of the resume, it's then, you know, the interviews and all of that kind of thing as well. So I think it's great that you're expanding your offering to address some of those other concerns that people have, even though they think front end, it's the resume that they need, then they discover pretty rapidly, oh, there's all these other things too. So I think that's that's fantastic that you're offering that. I'm curious about how did, did people in your life respond when you made the decision to not go and seek out your next lucrative uh, contract <laughs> that you said, no, no, I'm, go- I'm going to um, just be a f- full-time focusing on my writing and my resume writing services. That's what I'm going to do from now on. How did people in your life respond? Well, my partner was very supportive. Oh, so we love him. <laughs> yeah, he's been, he's, him and I had been talking. And I, I suppose when I, uh, when I ended up in hospital and also he'd been on that menopause journey with me. So he knew that that was 
a huge impact on my yeah. life and that I needed to take care of my stress and I needed to really get focused on my health. Mm. So he was the support of one. My father uh, expressed the most concern. Yes. My father is a retired accountant. So I mean, that, <laughs> oh. probably, <laughs> that probably gives you a clue. Yes. <laughs> retired accountant. Dad had been doing my company books for years, yep. you know, so, you know, he knew what was coming in. He knew yes. the salary I was paying. He, there was other contractors going through the company and all that. So it was a solid company and had been that for probably 10, 11, 12 years. Yes. And so dad's looking at that and he's only looking He's at getting it. the calculator out and going, Wendy, right. <laughs> you've got to be doing a freaking whole lot of resumes to be replacing that salary. That's right. He was very <laughs> concerned. And, and, and also he knew how hard I had worked to get where I had gotten because, I mean, I've, you know, there's, first of all, I'm a woman, you know, oh, so there was God, those barriers yes. in corporate. Mm -hmm. I'm also a woman of color. So there was those, you know, there's all Another these layer. barriers that were, <laughs> so dad was like, you work so hard to get there. Mm. Why would you give it up? Um, and I said to him, well, I've done it for 20 years. I have proven to myself that I could get there despite all the odds. So I'm happy with that. I said, but it is coming at a price to my health. Yeah. You know, I said, I, and I'm not happy. I said, I'm not happy doing this anymore. Yeah. This worked for me for X many years, for two decades. It no longer works for me in terms of my fulfillment, in terms of my stress, in terms of my health. So I have to make a change. And I said, I know it's risky. I know it's risky that I, that, you know, I may never get even close to half of the income. But I said, I said, you know that I've put plenty of money aside. And I said, and I want to give myself a year, six months to a year to give this a fair shot. Yeah. And that's what I did, you know. And fortunate for, for me, it's it's turned out okay. Yeah. You know, I've done well. The You know, the clients started coming in. And um, now I'm obviously getting to the point where I'm looking at doing memberships and things around it because it is still me doing the bulk of the writing. So it's very much a done for you model. Yep. And I'd like to move the next thing for me is to move away from the done for you model to yep. move away to the, the group, you know, where I can educate, teach groups of people. Mm. And it's great that you've mentioned that because I think it's important that people realize that what you originally intend or think that your business is going to do and offer is a great vision to have, to know that's the direction that I'm going and it may not be where you stay or where you end up and to be open to what the next uh, options might be, the next direction and one of those often comes from uh, starting first with the one-on-one -on -one heavy lifting kind of service that you're providing, then looking at how do you go one-to-many and then another one is this uh, membership subscription service where you have ongoing revenue. And so this is all stuff that comes from experience once you're in business because when you were, you know, working for the Telstras and, and the banks of the world, did you have much knowledge around small business and these kind of different business models and things like that or was that something that you have acquired over time? No, I didn't have the knowledge. So, mm. I mean, I had set up my company to be able to consult out into these big corporates because obviously when I first started out and you're earning the kind of rates you're earning, you're paying huge taxes. Yes. 
And so obviously dad being who he is, he said, you need to set up a company. You need to consult out because you want to start paying company tax rather than this massive tax that you're Mm -hmm. paying every year. So that was, you know, guidance from my father. But, you know, my father retired many years ago and has only ever really looked after my business since, you know, so looked after family members' businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just to keep him busy and keep the mind and, you know, guide us. Um, And so when I set out on this path, you know, to take it full time, absolutely had no idea and loved it the first year and still love it. But I am starting to realize that the done for you model is a very limited model Mm -hmm. in terms of. It's not just limiting in terms of revenue. It's it means I can only help a, a handful. You yeah, know, I can only I don't take on more than I don't take on more than five clients a week, and even that's a lot because yeah. I like to give proper time and dedication. So some resumes are easy, and the coaching and everything that goes with it's easy, and I get you know I might get the resume and all that you know LinkedIn and the cover letter, everything done within a four to five hour period. But then there's others where people really struggle to articulate what they need you to do for them. Yeah. And that's a long process. That's on the phone with them, you know, two or three times. Yeah. So there's some weeks when I can only look after three people Mm. in that week. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're talking about maybe 12 people a month. Yeah. You know, that's, that's for me, that's limiting. That's, you know, that's two little people that I know I can help. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, again, whilst it's not all about the money, you do, once you get the foundations of your business in place and you start to sort of see what's the rhythm of the way the business works and where are my clients coming from and what's the activity I need to do in marketing as well as, you know, hopefully getting some word of mouth happening, then you can get to a point where you, you, you look a little bit more strategically at things like scalability and how do you maximize and package up the knowledge that you have to reach and impact as many people as you can, as well as building the financial viability of a business. So I think it's totally natural for you to get to that point and go, okay, what are these different options? And I think it's exciting that you, you know, consider and you're exploring the membership model to see where that goes, especially at a time now where the world is changing in terms of how people work, how organisations work. As you said, a lot of GMs coming out of the woodwork, really uh, having some serious reflection time about what's next for them. There's potentially going to be a real glut of people wanting your services. And if you max out at three or five people a week in order to deliver the quality of work that you want to do, then there's an awful lot of people that you can't help. So I think it's yeah. really important and exciting that you're looking at this more, a more scalable model. Mm. Well, I think that's what's prompted it, the, the fact that, because I expected, like everyone else, I expected the business to slow down. I was like, okay, COVID's it, you know, that was, it was the opposite. For me, yeah, I was going to say, you probably I'm, got smashed. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the industry where people are, have lost jobs and mm. they're looking for someone to position them to get a job. So the opposite happened for me. And that was really, I mean, I was already starting to think about membership and all those things. But um, when this started happening, I was like, oh my God, I'm literally going to have to work 15 hours a day to help these people. And even then I wouldn't be able to help everyone. Yeah. Not without compromising my health. And the whole reason I got out of corporate or one of the reasons was to be healthy, to Mm -hmm. be balanced. Mm So, um, so for me, it was a natural, problem. and then obviously, you know, the tribe course, as you know, it just came at the right time. And I was like, yes, finally, it is my time. It is yeah. time to go look at this. 
because um, I'd been thinking about it. I'd been following Stu for a while. Yeah. And I'd like, time to think about this. Yeah, so fantastic. I'm on that next next wave for my business, you know, the next bit of scale. Yeah, excellent. So, Wendy, if someone's listening and they're thinking, oh, I want to find out more about you and your services, either for themselves or for a friend or a family member, where should they go to find out more and to connect with you? Uh, my website is resumeelevator.com. So obviously the word resume and elevator, so two, two E's in the middle of that, yep. resumeelevator.com. Great. Um, and there's um, a guide up there at the moment, um, how to recession-proof your career. So that's probably the place to start because once you register for that particular guide, I've created a series of free videos and more guides you know, to go a little bit deeper into how to start positioning yourself mm -hmm. to come through a recession, but also to be ready as companies start um, hiring again. Yeah, great. Fantastic. So I'll make sure I put that um, link to the website uh, in the show notes. And obviously, you're on LinkedIn too. So someone could reach out to you on LinkedIn as LinkedIn. long as they are genuine and say, hey, I heard you on <laughs> yeah. the Transit Lounge podcast. Uh, and I'm sure that you'd be happy to connect with them there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. Yeah. And I will make sure I put those um, links in the show notes as well to make it easy for people to click and find you. Okay. So, awesome. Wendy, Thank you. are there any other thoughts or insights or tips, things that you think, you know, that you wish you knew earlier or did earlier that you think could be useful bits of advice for someone who perhaps is early in that stage of maybe they're in that time of they're still working but they've been thinking, mm, I want to make this change any kind of thoughts that we haven't covered yet that you think could be useful for them, for that kind of person? Well, I think um, I always encourage people to get support. Whether mm -hmm. you get support from a community, you go and find a community of like-minded people. I think it's important. Or you go and seek out a coach. Yeah. And you may only need to do two or three sessions with a coach, but I think it helps to get someone else to help you get clarity. Because one of the things I notice about us humans, we're not good at getting our own clarity. <laughs> you know, I know I'm great at providing clarity for lots of people in the field that I'm an expert in, but certainly when it comes to my own life, I have always needed support from someone else, yeah. someone outside of my family, outside of my relationship with my partner. And so I totally believe in coaches, counselors, whatever you call them, yeah. people that can help you get clarity about the direction. And if your direction, whatever that direction is, whether it's around your career, about your health. Or life, the whole shebang. The whole shebang. Yeah. Go and find someone who can help you get that clarity. Yes. And to add to that, my own observation is that I have been through, and sometimes I still do, times where I'm just... I'm, I'm shitty with myself because I can't figure something out on my own or I seem to be spinning my wheels. And I think, you know what? I'm smart. I, I should be able to figure this out. But the reality is exactly as you've said, that sometimes what we need is external perspective. And it doesn't mean that, that you're not intelligent or that you're not doing well or that there's something wrong with you that you don't know this answer. That is the purpose of a coach, an external person. And I think it's Einstein who said that, I'm probably going to make a mosh of this, but it was something like that the mind that has created the problem can't solve the problem from the same level of thinking as it created it. And so that's where they often talk about having external perspective can be the thing that helps you 
solve the challenges that you're seeing. And so I, I use that for myself when I feel like I'm stuck in a situation when really what I need is to stop trying to figure it out myself and to, yeah, to reach out. And I have had many coaches through my, I, I think I had my first coach about 10 years ago when I did my coach training. And since then, I have had many different coaches that have helped me with different aspects of my life and work. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of people out there. So just if you're at this sort of career crossroads, then um, I'd really encourage, as Wendy's saying, for you to seek out, find some people that are not just your friends and family. They will love you and hopefully support you. But this is different. It's about having uh, conversations that are truly objective. They're about you and with no loading of the impact. For example, if you're thinking about leaving a high-paying job to start your own thing, often family members may have a vested interest in you staying in the job and earning that great money and, and being the same as you've always been. So it's it's valuable to get external perspective that helps you get the clarity that you need for yourself, not for anybody else. Absolutely. I, yep. I, I just, I just jumped in on that comment. <laughs> you need people that are not as close to the situation mm. to give you the objectivity. I yes. think, I mean, I've certainly seen it in life everywhere. In every time I needed to make big change, the ones who are closest to me, could never do it from an objective place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because they love you. They, they don't yes. want you to, you know, they don't want you to, to suffer. They don't want you to make a mistake. Yeah. None of those things. So yes. you need someone from outside, I believe. I've always sought it from outside of the immediate circle. Yeah, you know? great. Great. So getting support uh, is, uh, is one of your uh, definite tips for people that are at that sort of point of career crossroads. Yeah, getting support, get community, mm -hmm. notice the isolation. If you start feeling the lack of motivation or, mm -hmm. the, you know, the dream feels like it's almost dying inside of you, had this big vision, those are signs yeah. you know, to go and get, get out of that isolation. And then, um, you know, where possible, if you can have a financial buffer, you know, try yes. and put that in place as well because that can unravel things very quickly. Yeah, and look, money is one that um, I'm increasingly talking about with through this interview series and also with clients that I'm speaking with as one of the big hurdles that people face. And sometimes it's the initial hurdle of walking away from a secure, high-paying salary that they're trying to get their head around. Sometimes it's the concern about, well, how will I get enough clients to earn enough money to either uh, replace that salary or maybe the replacing the salary is not the aim it's more about to maintain your lifestyle <clears throat> and other times then it comes down to money things like well how much is it going to cost you to set up the business to run the business month to month uh, how much are you going to charge and then when you've got money conversations with clients how do you handle all of that so there's a whole complex relationship that we have with money especially as women and so I think it is one that shouldn't be taken too lightly to really be considering um, how you're looking at the financial side and, and by having some kind of healthy either financial buffer that you're going to draw on as you grow the business or some other kind of revenue stream that is going to support you as a side gig or something whilst you're growing the business so that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself to have things be successful straight away because sometimes away. they take time. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I've heard of too many businesses where someone just started and six months later they were 
replacing that income. Mm. I mean, I I personally haven't seen it no. in my circle and people that I know. It's generally taken, you know, 18 months to mm -hmm. two years yeah. to start seeing some decent flow of money and you can go breathe the sigh, oh, we, we, you know, I've arrived. Or, I've made it to this point. Yeah, I've made yes. it and it's <laughs> consistent and you know that it's consistent over a period of time, that it's not a one-off influx and then it declines again. You yeah. know, you're seeing consistent numbers around um, what's coming in. So. Yeah. And it's interesting because I don't think people really want to hear that it's going to take them probably 12 to 18 months or more to get to a really solid, stable, consistent revenue. But I think that's a far more realistic um, vision to have and to plan for that. The only person that I've come across so far um, through this interview series or that I know of who started a brand new, very different business, she was, her name's Donna Marks. She used to be in HR, in corporate, and she um, moved interstate and up to Queensland and she started a social media business and um, was booked out in three months. But she was booked out as in she was at capacity but that doesn't necessarily correlate to how much money she was earning. So that comes down again to a business model question. So, but I guess yes. she's, she's one that I know of who, you know, would say I was, you know, started the business and was booked out within three months. So that can sound great. It opened up a whole kettle of fish of other problems that she needed to address, but um, it's far more common for it to take at least 6, 12, 18 months or more to get everything in place that you need to have in place and to get some some rhythm happening. So I think it's important to be really realistic about that and be willing to be pleasantly surprised if it happens faster. That's absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> I say half your luck if it happens yes. faster and I certainly hope that for, for most people listening that it does. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you and I, we've been through the process. We yeah. know it's it's an up and down thing until it starts to become steady. And then, of course, something like COVID happens and that also impacts. Yeah. You know, you don't know. I mean, a lot of people have had small businesses have, had, have taken a huge hit mm -hmm. in the last uh, month. So, you know, you've got to flow with life. And then, um, I mean, I always at the back of my mind, I go, oh, well, I could always go back to corporate, but now, no, I won't. Yeah. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm flowing now, and and I would probably go find something else to do, mm -hmm. just because I've been out of that stress, and I like being out of that stress. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. I think is that you know you you've had that season of your life where you know two decades, as you said, of working very successfully in some fantastic projects and, you know, instrumental uh, in creating lots of transformation projects in lots of these big companies and that served you for a time. And now this is a different season where, you know, you're building your own thing and you'll run with that for as long as it serves you uh, and creates the kind of life and health that you want to experience. And then who knows, maybe it'll be more of this but a different flavour or you'll come up with something new and that's fine. You know, that's part of – I'm um, a big believer that that we are all the CEO of Brand U and that yes. you, you run with that title forever. No matter what your job is, your one title is CEO of Brand U. And so, you know, who knows what the next uh, – vehicle might be to express your value in the world but you know as long as you're enjoying what you're doing and you're contributing positively in the world then I think that's kind of job done yeah absolutely yeah love my work I do love my work oh, so good I'm glad to hear that Wendy 
Thank you so much for making the time to chat with us because I know you are a very busy lady uh, and I have really enjoyed hearing your insights on your transition and I know that others will have got great value from hearing your really practical advice as well. So thank you so much, Wendy, and I wish you all the best for the rest of 2020 and beyond. Thank you, Sanchandra. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed talking to you. Great. So that's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But if you are at a point where you have an idea and you feel like the next phase of your work life is going to be you working for yourself, then one of the first things that you really, really need to get sorted is the money side of things. And I'm not just talking about figuring out how much money it's going to cost you to get a logo or and a website done. I'm talking about you and how you handle the money side of your work and life. And to get you started on that, one of the things that you need to know is that there are actually five money zones. And these are five aspects of your life that influence how you think, feel and act around and with money, how much you earn, what you do with the money that you earn, how it helps you or holds you back. There's a whole relationship that you have with money. So if you're going to create a successful, thriving business that gives you the sort of freedom and lifestyle that you want to enjoy, then you really need to know what the five money zones are and which one of the five zones you need to work on first based on your unique situation in order to have the biggest positive impact on how much money you earn and keep. And you can discover all about the money zones right now in an easy five-minute money breakthrough quiz that I've created that you can get your hands on right now at thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. I'll put a link in the show notes for you as well, but it's thetransitlounge.com forward slash money quiz. And I really do encourage you to go and check it out because if you can get your money side of things sorted, then trust me, everything else becomes so much easier for you to start and grow your own business. When you don't have the money side sorted, it tends to be the fastest handbrake to your creativity and your business growth. So go do that now. You've got nothing to lose. Go do the quiz, figure out your money zones and go have a great week. See you next week.